ओम ज्ञान scheduled for the mantra rock dance at the Avalon ballroom it wasn't proper they had said for the devotees out in san francisco to ask their spiritual master to go to such a place it would mean amplified guitars pounding drums wild light shows and hundreds of drugged hippies how could his pure message be heard in such a place but in san francisco mukunda and others had been working on the mantra rock dance for months it would draw thousands of young people and the san francisco radha krishna temple stood to make thousands of dollars so although among his new york disciples shri laprapad had expressed uncertainty he now said nothing to deter the enthusiasm of his san francisco followers little commentary here in new york the devotees had had several months of personal training by shri laprapad whereas in san francisco not so devotees were soon please take your hand off your mouth and go and wash it anyone else who likes to eat their hands during class please don't and uh, if you happen to be doing so please go and wash them um also new york or the in general the east coast of america uh at that time and in particular tends to tended to be more more staid you don't know what that word means more sober not in the sense of not taking intoxication but more sober means less flamboyant than in california so the the, the devotees attitudes in in the east coast tend to be more in following the rules and regulations and on the west coast that east coast means new york boston all these places and west coast los angeles san francisco we didn't have any central los angeles at the time nor boston but uh, they tended to be more spontaneous in their devotion spontaneous not that doesn't mean on the raga platform but they would like to chant hari krishna but they weren't very strict enthusiastic but not very strict whereas on the east coast also enthusiastic but tendency to be more strict and less less risk taking and daring uh, i just read that, that the i there is a book by gurudas which is brought out about his memories of shila prabhupada some of them anyway he must have many more so he was talking about um 
when he went on the plane for the first time to India, he was with one brahmachari from the Boston temple. So Gurudas is from New York, but his induction into Krishna consciousness is on the west coast. And there was one brahmachari from the Boston temple. The Boston temple was famous as being very strict. And so uh, Gurudas was going on the plane with one brahmachari from Boston, whose name was Giriraj Das Brahmachari, who subsequently became identified with this project here. So anyway, uh, Gurudas was trying to convince Giriraj to laugh a bit because he didn't like to laugh. Sing music. He had his eyes shut when the plane is taking off. So Gurudas asked, why are your eyes shut? He said, because outside the window it's all maya. So very strict. And Gurudas said, well, it could be inside your heart, it's also maya. So he also, he gradually convinced him to tell a few jokes like this because Gurudas's relationship with Prabhupada, his personal relationship was very friendly that he would he would joke with Prabhupada. So it's just, you see here, it's describing how Prabhupada, in New York he had expressed doubt about going to some wild, crazy rock show, rock and roll music, not rock and roll, rock. With the, but the devotees had organized it in San Francisco and Prabhupada agreed, okay, I'll go. Now, at that time, especially on the West Coast, there, was, there wasn't much perceived difference between the Hare Krishna movement and all the other, cra- well, all the other, oh yeah, all the other crazy things going on in the hippie world. When I say all the other, that means what was going on in the Hare Krishna movement, that was also crazy in some ways. One of the first devotees there on the West Coast, Mukunda, I, when I, shortly after I joined, I asked him, he was in England at the time, I joined in England. I asked him, how is it that so many crazy people join this movement? In India, not so much. More, not so crazy people. But in those days, the, the hippie times, it was very crazy. So I asked him and he said, that's an interesting question. I asked the same thing to Prabhupada. And Prabhupada said, you have to be at least somewhat crazy to join this movement. From the material point of view, crazy. Why have you joined this movement? Giving up all prospects for sense enjoyment. You could have had a good job and plenty of money and a beautiful wife. And you join this Krishna consciousness movement. Giving up all prospects of material career advancement. You must be crazy. Yeah, crazy. From the material point of view. So uh, anyway, in the in the... In those days, there wasn't much distinction. It was like the hippies and the Hare Krishna devotees. And there wasn't that much difference. Even on the West Coast, they didn't. They all had long hair and beards. 
the men devotees. They, they didn't dress in devotee clothes in those days. And of course they followed or tried to follow to some extent. Or they, the more serious devotees, they were committed to following the rules and regulations, which was quite different from the hippie, the hippie way of life. No illicit sex, and hippie life meant as much illicit sex as possible. In those days, the hippie movement was considered something extraordinary, but nowadays the principle of, principles of the hippie movement have been accepted in mainstream society, as much illicit sex as possible. Intoxication. Gambling, the hippies didn't do. Uh, Meat-eating also. They, they, some of them met meat, but mostly not. So in those days, it was a very unusual time, very difficult to describe. Of course, I wasn't there, but I joined ISKCON towards the end of the hippie movement. Towards I, So I had some experience of the hippie times. Very unusual time in which so many young people, were they, they rejected, they, at least superficially, they rejected the values of their elders. There's famous song by Bob Dylan who's very famous in the western world in which one line went that your sons and your daughters are beyond your control because the times they are are changing so it was like that the parents were very frustrated that the children they don't do what we say because they are the, they followed their parents and their 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 the their parents in the previous generation, they followed their parents, but the new generation was saying, no, why, why should we, why should I do what you say? Why should I follow what you say? They rebelled. They left their comfortable homes and went to live on the streets. So they were taking up so many different things. And there was, an, there was a spiritual or at least supposedly spiritual search among the hippies, they're in new dimensions and they, they rejected the educational system and the economic system. Most of them didn't have jobs, they didn't work. And they definitely rejected the military system because they didn't want to go and fight in Vietnam. So they, they rejected so much of the straight society, as they called it, the normal society. and. There was an air of expectancy that we're going to discover something wonderful. That something wonderful is going to come out of this. That we're going to make a, a whole different way of life. But it, it came to an end because after all, they, they didn't, those who didn't have the real solution, then they had to go back to materialistic life. And you'll find most of the hippies now the, of that generation, they're now lawyers and doctors and like this. They went back to what's called the... But what are they going to do? You can't live on the street for, forever. So they went back and they, they became like that. Jayadveda Maharaj commented that the real hippies joined the Hare Krishna movement. Those who were really serious about seeking spiritual life. And others, uh, yeah, because they, they were seeking for something spiritual, but at the same time they were very much interested in... in sex and intoxication. 
they, they were somewhat influenced by some of the early members who had gone to India and they'd seen the, the Naga Babas and the Shaiva Babas who were chanting mantras and smoking ganja. So they brought that back. People like uh, this uh, Allen Ginsberg, they brought that back, this idea to America. So uh, because they were ultimately they couldn't give up gross sense gratification. So uh, they they believed in their, their words where they spoke of love and peace. And so they liked the devotees because the devotees gave free prasada, which they they liked and they needed because many of them were were hungry. They had no means of food. If you're not working, who's going to feed you? You're not working, you're not living at home with your parents, and who's going to feed you? So they liked that. And the devotees, they also love and peace. They, they said because the devotees were actually very loving and and it seemed they're very peaceful because they're not taking meat and um, they'd also dropped out of straight society. The devotees were just going singing and dancing in the streets with colorful robes and with flowers and incense and it all seemed to be part of the hippie scene and all the, most of the people who joined the Hare Krishna in those days were, were hippies, ex-hippies, most of them. So the, the hippies and the, 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 and the Hare Krishna movement, it was all part of, the, it all seemed to be part of the same thing. Hare Krishna, I said flowers, then he remembered. And also uh, when they spoke about, they were talking about worshipping Krishna, who is, he seemed to be like a hippie god, he has long hair. And he has uh, his girlfriend, and he plays on a flute, and all these things seem to be just like a hippie, like that. So it seemed like the hippies, like, there was a big movement, and there were hundreds of thousands, hundreds and thousands of young people just left their homes, and re- they appeared to reject the standards of, of the modern society. But it all came to an end. They said that the, the hippie era, well, some people said that the Woodstock Festival, that was like the, the beginning, of, that was like the last, that was the, the uh, high point, and it all went down after that. And then later on, I think maybe a year later, there was another free rock concert. Well, actually, Woodstock wasn't supposed to be free, but anyway, it was one group organized a rock concert in California, a free concert, and so many people came and then they, they called these Hell's Angels as their as the security, the Hell's Angels. They're they're also rejected society, but they weren't into love and peace. They were violent and nasty and uh, some of them but they, they they rode on motorbikes and big heavy motorbikes and then at the, at the secu- they they call these people as the uh, to be the security guards, and then one while they were performing on stage, this still famous group, the Rolling Stones, the uh, one crazy guy or intoxicated guy rushed on the stage, and right in front of the thousands of people, the Hell's Angel stabbed him to death. So they said. They said this was the end of the hippie era. 
So the hippie era was very promising. They were thinking it's something wonderful and we'll have love and peace. But it ended in no love and peace. It ended in murder, public murder. Because they didn't have the real thing. Love and peace means there has to be Krishna consciousness, has to be surrendered to Krishna. So the hippie movement, they were attempting to be, to have the king, another attempt to have the kingdom of God without God, without putting Krishna in the center. We shall enjoy, we shall be happy in a, in a peaceful way. But it was beyond, they were saying that your sons and your daughters are beyond your control, but they were thinking they were independent, but they're not independent of the laws of nature. The laws of nature are beyond their control and so the hippie movement ended in bloodshed and violence and desperation. So many people drugged, addicted and dying from, from uh, heroin addiction and then when they become heroin addicts then they'll steal, they'll do anything to get money. They, then, they don't, then there's no love, they don't have anyone as a friend. They'll do anything, they'll, they'll rob their best friend or the They'll kill or whatever. So the hippie movement ended in, in disappointment. And George Harrison also expressed this, that when he visited San Francisco and he saw that the so many people on drugs and confused and half insane and, and he, he became very sorry because George Harrison and others of the Beatles, they had been uh, instrumental in promoting usage of drugs because they're thinking this is something wonderful. We have all these spiritual experiences they were thinking by taking drugs. So most of the songs that were very popular they were they were promoting free sex and intoxication. So the hippies they took this up. They also had their leaders. Prabhupada quoted this when he met the Beatles, that you are considered very prominent in society by so many young people, so why don't you sing about Krishna? So George Harrison became very sorry when he saw this, that the effect of our, our leading people into this way of life has been a, a disaster. So the hippie movement was ultimately a disaster, but at this time, 1967, there was still a lot of hope and everything will be wonderful. And they, all the, they had these new rock groups. They were different style of music that had never, never been heard before, at least in this Kali Yuga, probably in previous Kali Yugas. So it was all they, they were experimenting with drugs, with free sex, with music, with spirituality, and they were thinking this is something wonderful. But we'll discover something wonderful, but. Those that didn't discover Krishna consciousness, of course most of them had some contact with it, but those who didn't take to the path of Krishna consciousness, then they had to simply discover disappointment. Hmm. So I'll read a little more. Sam Spearstra, later to be known as Shamasunda, <laughs> Shamasunda Das, one of Prabhupada's three disciples, at least, I know he had at least three disciples by the name Shamasunda. There was Shamasunda who came here and spoke. Another is, another is an astrologer. He was in India before. 
And there's another one because he was writing me some letters. He's based in California or I think Hawaii or somewhere. He's also called Shamasam. And there was Shamasundra Ananda. You know him? Bengali devotee in Mayapur. Something like that. We always called him Shamasundra. His name was Shamasundra Ananda. So Sam Spearstra. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Sam Spearstra. Mukunda's friend and one of the mantra rock organizers explained the idea to Hayagriva who had just arrived from New York. There's a whole new school of San Francisco music opening up. The Grateful Dead have already cut their first record. Their offer to do this dance is a great publicity boost just when we need it. So the Grateful Dead, they, they invented all these funny names for their, for their rock groups. The Grateful Dead. It's a funny name, isn't it? How can the dead be grateful? Because they're dead. Anyway, there was a very famous group at that time and they, they, they agreed to play at this concert. And actually the leader of that group who died, I think, one or two years ago, he was very popular, Jerry Garcia. So he actually helped the devotees a lot. And he, he gave donations and he gave several donations to the devotees, big donations. So they did some punya also, some pious activities, these groups. And uh, this Sam Spearstra Shamasunda, he was he was instrumental in getting many of these famous rock groups to donate. Apart from getting George Harrison to donate for the Krishna book, he also got even uh, Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones. He he donated for the for the building the temple in London, Berry Place. They needed a few because the local authorities they they required that you had to put these expensive steel girders in to hold up the roof. So it was like five or six thousand pounds. There was a lot of money in those days. So Mick Jagger gave that. He did something pious in his life, believe it or not. And uh, so several of these famous rock groups, he got them to give donations and they, they, they performed free at this concert which gave thousands of dollars to the devotees in those days. So that was quite good. I mean, there was a spirit at that time of, of, of not being commercial, that not, don't do anything for money, like this. So, the, the Grateful Dead and uh, others, well apart from give, getting money, it made the Hare Krishna movement very, in the Bay Area, San Francisco, it made them very popular among all the hippies because if all the rock groups support Hare Krishna, then again, Yad Yad Atras, then all the rock groups, they support Hare Krishna. Oh, it must be good. That's what the hippies thought. And many, actually many people came to Krishna Conscious being inspired by George Harrison, right? actually. That's a fact. Because he promoted it in his songs as Prabhupada asked him to, then many people thought, oh, and, they, and then they took to it like that. So here's the argument going on, because the devotees from New York, they were very sober and strict, and they didn't think that Prabhupada should, or even the devotees should go to a mantra rock dance with 
with hippies and rock groups. So here's higher griever, his objection. But Swamiji says that even Ravi Shankar is Maya. Ravi Shankar in those days didn't mean some self-made guru from Bangalore, but meant the uh, famous sitarist. He's still famous. Still alive, I think, isn't he? Yeah, he's famous. So he was quite well known in America among the hippies. They liked this kind of. They thought it was far out. This. Sitar music. But Prabhupada said that even Ravi Shankar is, is sense gratification. Because the devotees, they were asking Prabhupada, well, can we listen to Ravi Shankar? And Prabhupada said, well, it's, even that is sense gratification because it's, it's Indian and it's classical, but unless it's specifically performed for the pleasure of Krishna, then it's just sense gratification. If you, if you listen to it, just because you think it's nice, well, it may be nice, but all all this classical music was originally made for the pleasure of the deities in the temple, whether whether Vishnu deities or many were also composed for for the pleasure of Nataraj, Lord Shiva in South India. So this was composed for the pleasure of deities. So nowadays it's quite popular that you know we have organized cultural programs and there's Bharat Natyam and everyone claps but actually all the, it was meant originally that this should be performed privately the, the dancers they would rehearse for months and they would do a performance for one person namely Krishna it wasn't meant for public showing so Prabhupada said that even Ravi Shankar is Maya Oh, it's all been arranged, Sam assured him. All the bands will be on stage and Allen Ginsberg, Mahaja, will introduce Swamiji to San Francisco. Swamiji will talk and then chant Hare Krishna with the bands joining in. Then he leaves. There should be around 4,000 people there. Srila Prabhupada knew that he would not compromise himself. He would go, chant and then leave. The important thing was to spread the chanting of Hare Krishna. If thousands of young people gathering to hear rock music could be engaged in chanting and hearing the names of God, then what was the harm? As a preacher, Prabhupada was prepared to go anywhere to spread Krishna consciousness. Since chanting Hare Krishna was absolute, one who heard or chanted the names of Krishna, anyone, anywhere, in any condition, could be saved from falling to the lowest species in the next life. These young hippies wanted something spiritual, but they had no direction. They were confused, accepting hallucinations as spiritual visions, but they were seeking genuine spiritual life, just like many of the young people on the Lower East Side. Srila Prabhupada decided he would go. His disciples wanted him to, and he was their servant and the servant of Lord Chaitanya. Mukunda, Sam, and Harvey Cohen had already met with rock entrepreneur, means like businessman, Chet Helms, who had agreed that they could use his Avalon ballroom. They're very expert actually. They got the route, they got the the venue donated free and all the groups came and performed free. I mean to stage this kind of concert would cost thousands of dollars. 
that they got everything done free. They they convinced that this is some Krishna consciousness is something good, you should help. It was largely because they were distributing prasadam to the everyone who came they gave free prasadam. And so they appreciated that you're helping the hippies. They could use his Avalon ballroom and that if they could get the bands to come, everything above the cost for the groups, the security and a few other basics would go as profit for the San Francisco Radha Krishna temple. Mukunda and Sam had then calling on had then gone calling on the music groups, most of whom lived in the Bay Area. And one after another, the exciting new San Francisco bands, the Grateful Dead, Moby Grape, Big Brother and the Holding Company, Jefferson Airplane, Quicksilver Messenger Service, they had all these funny names, had agreed to pay with Swami Bhaktivedanta for the minimum wage of $250 per group. Well, they had to pay something, but they took the minimum amount. And Allen Ginsberg had agreed. The lineup was complete. These are all big famous groups. It's like, you know, in India they have uh, Anub Jalota and Ali Akbar Khan. So they were like the famous like that. Very famous names actually, all these names. At that time they weren't so famous. They were just beginning. It's 67. Yeah. But they all became very famous. Maybe Maybe by the blessings of Prabhupada. They all became very famous, prominent groups. In San Francisco, every rock concert had an art poster, many of them designed by the psychedelic artist called Mouse. One thing about Mouse's posters was that it was difficult to tell where the letters left off and the background began. It's kind of like simulating an LSD trip. <laughs> Everything becomes blurred and merged. He used dissonant colors that made his posters seem to flash on and off. Borrowing from this tradition, Harvey Cohen had created a unique poster in big letters. Krishna consciousness comes west using red and blue concentric circles and a candid photo of Swamiji smiling in Tompkins Square Park. The devotees put the posters up all over town. Hayagriva and Mukunda went to discuss the program for the mantra rock dance with Allen Ginsberg. Allen was already known as an advocate of the Hare Krishna mantra. In fact, Acquaintances, acquaintances would often greet him with Hare Krishna when he walked on Haight Street. And he was known, that's H-A-I-G-H-T by the way, not H-A-T-E. Is that how you pronounce it? Haight, right? Haight Ashbury. And he was known to visit and recommend that others visit the Radha Krishna temple. Higher Griva whose full beard and long hair rivaled Alan's. In those days, the devotees didn't shave up. It was very, very much the beginning of the movement. I think Kirtananda was shaved up. In, in the New York, not on the West Coast. They didn't shave up. Hayagriva was concerned about the melody Alan would use when he chanted with Swamiji. 
I think the melody you use, Hayagriva said, is too difficult for good chanting. Maybe Alan admitted that that's the melody I first heard in India. A wonderful lady saint was chanting it. I'm quite accustomed to it, and it's the only one I can sing convincingly. With only a few days remaining before the mantra rock dance, Alan came to an early morning kirtan at the temple and later joined Srila Prabhupada upstairs in his room. A few devotees were sitting with Prabhupada eating Indian sweets when Alan came to the door. He and Prabhupada smiled and exchanged greetings and Prabhupada offered him a sweet, remarking that Mr. Ginsburg was up very early. It must be by like seven o'clock or something. Regarding eating sweets, that just reminds me, I don't think that was announced. It's supposed to be fasting up till twelve o'clock this morning because tomorrow is Vaman Dwadashi, so it's fasting this morning. You already blew it. Yeah, well, some may not do. Yes, Alan replied, the phone hasn't stopped ringing since I arrived in San Francisco. That is what happens when one becomes famous, said Prabhupada. That was the tragedy of Mahatma Gandhi also. Wherever he went, thousands of people would crowd about him chanting, Mahatma Gandhi ki jai, Mahatma Gandhi ki jai. See, Srila Prabhupada said Mahatma Gandhi ki jai. He said it. <laughs> the gentleman could not sleep. Well, at least he got me up for kirtan this morning, said Alan. Yes, that is good. The conversation turned to the upcoming program at the Avalon Ballroom. Don't you think there's a possibility of chanting a tune that would be more appealing to Western ears? Alan asked. Any tune will do, said Prabhupada. Melody is not important. What is important is that you will chant Hare Krishna. It can be in the tune of your own country. That doesn't matter. Prabhupada and Alan also talked about the meaning of the word hippie. And Alan mentioned something about taking LSD. Prabhupada replied that LSD created dependence and was not necessary for a person in Krishna consciousness. Krishna consciousness resolves everything, Prabhupada said. Nothing else is needed. So you can see in these early days, Prabhupada was extremely liberal in distributing Krishna consciousness, he agreed to go to a, a, a rock concert with chanting of Hare Krishna. But at the same time, he was still strict about the basic principles. He didn't say you, he didn't endorse that you can take LSD and chant Hare Krishna, or that you can have illicit sex and chant Hare Krishna. So he was still very strict about the basic principles. Or he was very liberal with the devotees in many ways. He didn't in, later on he, he was more strict about following rules and regulations later on he chastised devo- male devotees for, for having long hair but in those days the, many of the devotees they were initiated they had really long hair but when Prabhupada chastised devotees in 1977 for having long hair it means it was no samples here but it means they hadn't shaved for a month or two or something like that but this but this was really how I mean they hadn't cut it in literally years but Prabhupada didn't say anything in those days. Sometimes he would make some little jokes about it. He talked to, he would talk about Gargamuni's Shakespearean locks because he had long hair. But he didn't tell that you should 
shape. But later on, he told that but his long hair, Prabhupada said that is hippie seeds. Again, you want to go back to being hippies. So Prabhupada, he, he said that the hippie movement was created by Krishna to facilitate my preaching. At the same time, he didn't want our devotees to be identified with hippies because he thought there was something uh, unrespectable and uh, with a strong tendency towards uh, what's that word? Frivolous, uh, licentiousness, or just not following any rules and regulations. So Prabhupada was concerned that the devotees would, if they remained thinking that we are hippies, maybe Hare Krishna hippies, then they would go back to that old way of very fallen kind of lifestyle, actually. So, at the Mantra Rock Dance, there would be a multimedia light show by the biggest names in the art, Ben Van Meter and Roger Hilliard. Ben and Roger were expert at using simultaneous strobe lights, films and slideshows to fill an auditorium with optical effects reminiscent of LSD visions. Mukunda had given them many slides of Krishna to use during the Kirtan. One evening, Ben and Roger came to see Swamiji in his apartment. Roger Hilliard says, He was great. I was really impressed. It wasn't the way he looked, the way he acted, the way he dressed, but it was his total being. Swamiji was very serene and very humorous, and at the same time very wise and in tune, enlightened. He had the ability to relate to a lot of different kinds of people. I was thinking, some of this must be really strange for this person to come to the United States and end up in the middle of Haight-Ashbury with a storefront from an ashram and a lot of very strange people around. And yet he was totally right there, right there with everybody. So it was very strange, the whole scene in San Francisco. But after all, Prabhupada was from Calcutta. So if, brought, if you live in Calcutta, that can prepare you for anything. Anything in the universe. Calcutta is the most funky place in the universe. I mean, all kinds of strange things go on in Calcutta. You'll see these, these what, do they, what do they call these, hijras? These, they're, they're like eunuchs, yeah. They have no legs. And you'll see them early in the morning rolling down the street, going to their place for begging. I mean, there's just like, and no one, no one looks twice at them. It's just normal life in Calcutta. And I, once I remember, like on all the cracked pavements in, in Dalhousies, seeing someone lying on the, lying on the cracked pavement on his back, with a with a puppy, he was hold, tied up to him, and he was like torturing the puppy, and the puppy was screaming, and everyone just walking past, no one says anything. It's like. Typical of Calcutta, just totally bizarre. The whole play is it's like any totally bizarre things and no one takes the slightest bit of notice. So Prabhupada was being being raised in Calcutta, you're like raised you're, you can see any kind of crazy or strange thing and it's just like normal. You you're ready for anything and any kind of crime or cheating or any such thing, it's you're just ready. 
being raised in Calcutta. Prabhupada is, in his childhood, there were, the, there were Hindu Muslim riots and all kinds of things. Prabhupada was brought up in all kinds of weird sadhus. So Prabhupada had seen everything. If you, one month in Calcutta and you've seen the whole world, you've seen everything. Okay, I'll read one more section. On the night of the Mantra Rock dance, while the stage crew set up equipment and tri- tested the sound system, and Ben and Roger organized their light show upstairs, Mukunda and others collected tickets at the door. People lined up all the way down the street and around the block, waiting for tickets at $2.50 apiece. Attending would be, attendance would be good, a capacity crowd, and most of the local luminaries were coming. LSD pioneer Timothy Leary arrived and was given a special seat on stage, another Mahajan of the hippie era, Timothy Leary. Swami Kriyananda came, carrying a tambora, a man wearing a top hat and a suit with a silk sash that said San Francisco arrived, claiming to be the mayor. At the door, Mukunda stopped a respectably dressed young man who didn't have a ticket. He, but then someone tapped Mukunda on the shoulder, let him in, it's all right. He's Owsley. Mukunda apologized and submitted, allowing Augustus Owsley Stanley II, folk hero and famous synthesizer of LSD, to enter without a ticket. Almost everyone who came wore bright or unusual costumes, tribal robes, Mexican ponchos, Indian curtains, God's eyes. What's God's eyes? Any idea? I don't know what that is. Feathers and beads. Some hippies brought their own flutes, lutes, gourds, drums, rattles, horns and guitars. The hell's angels, dirty haired. Why dirty haired? Everything about them was dirty. Only dirty, Sesru Maharaj was written, dirty haired. But everything about them was dirty, not just their hair. It wasn't that they had clean faces and clothes. Anyway, dirt, Hell's Angels, dirty, wearing jeans, boots and denim jackets and accompanied by their women, made their entrance carrying chains, smoking cigarettes and displaying their regalia of German helmets, emblazoned em- emblems, and so on, everything but their motorcycles, which they had parked outside. The devotees began a warm-up kirtan on stage, dancing the way Swamiji had shown them. Incense poured from the stage and from the corners of the large ballroom. And although most in the audience were high on drugs, the atmosphere was calm. They had come seeking a spiritual experience. As the chanting began very melodiously, some of the musicians took part by playing their instruments. The light show began. Strobe lights flashed. Colored balls bounced back and forth to the beat of the music. Large blobs of pulsing color spurted across the floor, walls and ceiling. A little after eight o'clock, Moby Great took the stage. With heavy electric guitars, electric bass and two drummers, they launched into their first number, the large speakers shook the ballroom with their vibrations and a roar of approval rose from the audience. 
Around 9.30, Prabhupada left his Frederick Street apartment and got into the back seat of Harvey's Cadillac. He was dressed in his usual saffron robes, around, and around his neck he wore a garland of gardenias. Gardenia means Gandharaj, whose sweet aroma filled the car. On his way to the Avalon, he talked about the need to open more centers. At 10 o'clock, Prabhupada walked up the stairs of the Avalon, followed by Kirtanananda and Rancho. As he entered the ballroom, devotees blew conch shells. Someone began a drum roll and the crowd parted down the center all the way from the entrance to the stage, opening a path for him to walk. With his head held high, Prabhupada seemed to float by as he walked through the strange milieu, making his way across the ballroom floor to the stage. Suddenly the light show changed. Pictures of Krishna and his pastimes flashed onto the wall. Krishna and Arjuna riding together on Arjuna's, Arjuna's chariot. Krishna eating butter. Krishna subduing the whirlwind demon. Krishna playing the flute. As Prabhupada walked through the crowd, everyone stood applauding and cheering. He climbed the stairs and seated himself softly on a waiting cushion. The crowd quieted. Looking over at Allen Ginsberg, Prabhupada said, You can speak something about the mantra. Allen began to tell of his understanding and experience with the Hare Krishna mantra. He told how Swamiji had opened a storefront on 2nd Avenue and had chanted Hare Krishna in Tompkins Square Park and he invited everyone to the Frederick Street Temple. I especially recommend the early morning kirtans, he said, for those who, coming down from LSD, want to stabilize their consciousness on re-entry. Prabhupada spoke, giving a brief history of the mantra. Then he looked over at Alan again. You may chant. Alan began playing his harmonium and chanting into the microphone, singing the tune he had brought from India. Gradually more and more people in the audience caught on and began chanting. As the kirtan continued and the audience got increasingly enthusiastic, musicians from the various bands came on stage to join in. Rancho, a fair drummer, began playing Moby Grape's drums. Some of the bass and other guitar players joined in as the devotees and a large group of hippies mounted the stage. The multicolored oil slicks pulsed and the balls bounced back and forth to the beat of the mantra, now project, projected onto the wall. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. As the chanting spread throughout the hall, some of the hippies got to their feet, held, hand, held hands and danced. Allen Ginsberg, we sang Hare Krishna all evening. It was absolutely great. An open thing. It was the height of the Haitaspuri spiritual enthusiasm. It was the first time that there had been a music scene in San Francisco where everybody could be part of it and participate. Everybody could sing and dance rather than listen to other people sing and dance. That was also another reason the hippies liked Hare Krishna because they made music, which was the music was the it was like the life of the whole hippie scene. So the devotees, they made their own music and it was something different with bells and Indian drums. So it was considered really something wonderful. And the, they liked it because you didn't just listen to someone else 
play music, but everyone could join in with the chanting of Hare Krishna. Janaki. People didn't know what they were chanting for. But to see that many people chanting, even though most of them were intoxicated, made Swamiji very happy. He loved to see the people chanting. Hayagriva. Standing in front of the bands, I could hardly hear. But above all, I could make out the chanting of Hare Krishna, building steadily. On the wall behind, a slide projected a huge picture of Krishna in a golden helmet with a peacock feather, a flute in his hand. Then Śrīla Prabhupāda stood up, lifted his arms and began to dance. He gestured for everyone to join him. And those who were still seated stood up and began dancing and chanting and swaying back and forth, following Prabhupāda's gentle dance. Roger Siegel, who was later to become Guru Das. The ballroom appeared as if it was a human field of wheat blowing in the wind. It produced a calm feeling in contrast to the Avalon ballroom atmosphere of gyrating energies. The chanting of Hare Krishna continued for over an hour and finally everyone was jumping and yelling, even crying and shouting. Someone placed a microphone before Srila Prabhupada and his voice resounded strongly over the powerful sound system. The tempo quickened. Srila Prabhupada was perspiring profusely. Kirtanananda insisted that the kirtan stop. Swamiji was too old for this, he said. It might be harmful. But the chanting continued faster and faster until the words of the mantra finally became indistinguishable amid the amplified music and the chorus of thousands of voices. Then suddenly it ended and all that could be heard was the loud hum of the amplifiers and Srila Prabhupada's voice ringing out, offering obeisances to his spiritual master. Om Vishnupad Paramahamsa Parivrajaka Acharya Shtutarasada Sri Srimad Bhaktisiddhan Saraswati Goswami Maharaj Kijai All glories to the assembled devotees. Srila Prabhupada made his way off stage through the heavy smoke and crowds and down the front stairs with Kirtan Ananda and Rancho close behind him. Alan announced the next rock group. As Swamiji left the ballroom and the appreciative crowd behind, he commented, This is no place for a Brahmachari. Later on, Prabhupada created places for brahmacharis. So this temple is a place for a brahmachari. Hare Krishna. Any comments, questions? Have the mic? Portable mic? What's it called? Cordless mic. No? Anyway, ask. Mukunda had a friendly relationship. Gurudas had a friendly relationship with Prabhupada. Friendly, but then Prabhupada would chastise him also. They'd be friendly and joking and... Yeah, I did. But then Prabhupada would chastise him also. He didn't put in much about the chastisements. But Prabhupada would chastise him also. Oh right, Prabhupada was very upset about that. Prabhupada didn't look at him and yeah, till he till he till he rectified it. Yeah, yeah. There's a 
an incident, Prabhupada, Gurudas made, what was it, some sign or something? Letterhead or something? He put a sign, International Society for Krishna Conscious. And he, but he put Acharya, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. And Prabhupada said, well, you didn't put founder Acharya. He said, it looks as if you want to supersede my position. And Gurudas said, well, I didn't think like that. I couldn't think like that, but it was just an oversight. But Prabhupada didn't talk to him for like three days until he, rect- until he rectified it. So friendly, Prabhupada was very friendly with him, but he was always the guru. Very what? What kind of friendly? They joke, they joke together, laugh together. Hmm? What kind of relationship would you should you have with your spiritual master? Let, well, let him dictate. If he's, you reciprocate how he acts with you. And, but always there should be some awe and reverence. Vishrambhina guru seva. That means. Vishramba means with a friendly relationship, but that doesn't mean, you know, you, there's no question of ever walking up to him, slapping him on the back or any such thing. Gurudas himself described that. If, if Prabhupada wants to be quiet, I be quiet. If Prabhupada wants to joke, I will joke. If Prabhupada's in a serious mood, I will adopt that. Like that. Let him call the shots, as the saying goes. Hare Krishna, Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Srila Prabhupada Lilamrita ki jai. Needs some revision. It needs some revision, the Prabhupada Lilamrita. They had a relationship with Bob Dylan. They had a good relationship with him, yeah. As much as anyone could do, because he's very secretive. Many of the groups. Many of the top groups, they, they related to the devotees. It's important thing, I was saying to Svabhas this time in L.A., I was there at Janmashtami, I was saying, why don't you invite the big people of the city to come? They never think about that in America. But it, it, it adds, you know, like respectability, and then it helps, you know, like if you want to get permits and all this kind of thing. They never, they never thought of it. They could, they could invite Arnold. Arnold, what's his name, Schwarzenegger or something. They could invite him. Why not? The worst he can say is no. If he does come, it's big publicity. And everything.